Amen and God bless. And thank you all for joining us again today. We thank you. And we um, are so glad that you can join with us tonight on our final um, series um, on It Shouldn't Be in the Church, um, the book discussion with the author, Thomas Walker, myself. And um, we are delighted that you were able to join with us these past series or past um, episodes that we had um, recorded out. And we pray that you all have received something from it. Again, the book entitled, It Shouldn't Be in a Church. Now, I'm not vain or, or anything like that. I just wanted to kind of put the title sequence out and also uh, a picture of what the book might might look like out in the stores or online, or Amazon and some of the other places. And if you uh, feel inclined and the Holy Spirit leads you to pick it up, then um, I do encourage you to do so. Uh, if not, if you just feel and encouraged and strengthened by the discussions that we've been having, uh, please feel free to continue to to uh, listen in and ask questions wherever's needed. If you if you have questions or if you have comments, I would love to hear the feedback. You know, so I just thank you again for this opportunity to share. Um, it shouldn't be in the church with uh, the internet world. Um, we just are so grateful. And tonight I wanted to go through a different um, a different format with the final uh, series. There's at least four or five more chapters that a person can um, read and get involved with and, and have uh, a good time reading. But I, I'm been led by the Holy Spirit to just stop right here on the next subject, which is complacency and versus contentment. So that so the it that should not be in the church is complacency versus contentment. So what does that look like and what does that mean? Um, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna read mostly what's in this chapter because this chapter has all of the things that's relevant to what contentment and complacency is and how complacency really bogs down the mission and the vision and the purpose of what God had intended for the modern church today to look like or to some of the, the actions that we should be um, really, really concerned about as opposed to some other things. So with that being said, I just want you all to, uh, to just uh, listen in and um, understand the wording and everything that's, that's being read because these words are in the book. These words are, are verbatim. And I believe it really will be a very helpful uh, tool that I read as opposed to um, give a, a book summary on this chapter. But I do want to emphasize that um, my purpose and my reason for writing this particular chapter as the Lord led is to focus on 
how us being content with the Lord and being content with our walk with, with Jesus and our, our spiritual walk, that contentment is what God wants us to be because he tells us in the Bible to be anxious for nothing. So with our being anxious for nothing, then we should also find a way to be content in our spiritual walk to the point where we're not out looking for different other things. We're not out looking for different other remedies to our situation. So with that being said, contentment in the Lord is the best place to, 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 that you can be because, you know, there's a song that says, Father, I stretch my hand to thee, no other help that I know. You know, if you would draw your hand from me, where would I go? You know, and that's where we need to be. We have to hold on to that, under, that, that, that commitment to faith that commitment to our desire to walk for the Lord, for God I live and for God I die. And that's the contentment that we should have. We should be able to rest knowing that the word of God is an inerrant, you know, uh, words of, of God that was given to man by God that we can use as a template for our walk, our daily walk, our hourly walk, our minute walk spiritually with him and how to build a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, with God, through the Holy Spirit. Our contentment rests on our indwelling and our infilling with the Holy Spirit that it that he gave, leads and guides us in the path of righteousness. He shows us what is best for us. He gives us the discernment to be able to see things that we should not be um, complacently thinking about uh, being a part of, of doing. Because sin looks good, no matter how you look at it and how, how you know, it's enticing, just like uh, the serpent um, the, the the serpent was used by Satan to entice the forbidden fruit to, to eat. That's the same formula that Satan is using over and over and over again because it works. And so the enticement of us being complacent in our walk with God leads us to having an idle mind or believing in pride that we have it all together, when in fact, we need a savior daily. We don't, we don't need to be saved every day. We need to be rescued. We need to be discerned. We need to be taught. We need to be comforted every day so that when the wiles and the tricks of the enemy come against us, we will be able to see it. But we can't see those things if we're too complacent. You ever notice? The, um, that one um, fable um, that they talk about, the hare and the tortoise, how the hare and the tortoise had this race. I believe they call it an Aesop's fable. And the hare and tortoise had a race. And so the, the race started and the tortoise, even though he was so slow, he was still going. But the, the hare he had ran so fast and got so far ahead of the tortoise until he felt like, well, 
I don't have to do anything. I could just mull around. I could take my time because at the rate that the tortoise is going, he's never going to catch up and I'll easily win. So that was that was the mindset that the hare had. So the hare started um, resting and relaxing. He laid out and went to sleep. And, you know, but the, the tortoise, though, the, the tortoise, because he was content and his speed. He was content in knowing who he was, who, what type of um, giftings that he had. He were able to continue to move forward, being content, knowing that slow and steady is going to win this race. Slow and steady. If I just keep pushing forward, then I'm going to win. I'm going to eventually win. So what did that say to the hare? Well, the hare was sleep. He didn't even see the tourist pass by him, the tortoise pass by him because of his complacency. He was complacent in his, in his position. He was complacent in the fact, in his mind, and in the prideful state, believing and thinking that it was all in a bag. Sometimes us as, as believers, sometimes us even as non-believers, we get to that prideful place of being complacent to whereas we don't believe or think we need nothing else or we don't need any type of spiritual connection to get us to where we are. That's the pride where people say, well, it, it was me. I took care of myself all these years. Didn't nobody do that for me. I got up off my back and I got up to where I am in my own strength. I did this. You know, I, 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 but we forget about God, 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 and the way God had ordered our steps. See, we, we can't ever forget the fact that God is with us, no matter what. Even if you're saved, unsaved, a believer or non-believer, that there is, there is uh, 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 omnipotence. There is, you know, intelligent design that rules and governs us. I mean, we can go with the primordial soup and we can go with all those other things that people are talking about, but that's taken away the intelligence of who we are, how we came to be about. No one can explain that. And the only thing that has taken a, a, a hold and explain how we are here and how we got here. It's through the Holy Bible. And it is through the, the concept of believing and knowing that, okay, I didn't just pop up somewhere and here I am and I got all this intelligence and smarts. No, we were fashioned and we were formed to, to be this way, to do this way, to do these things, to have these gifts and talents. So we can't get complacent and believe in that it's because we are on this earth. And when we're on this earth, we can just do what we want because it's up to us to learn and it's up to us to figure out how we're going to make our lives work. No, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will make your ways straight. So with that being said, 
that's the whole premise and the, the, the whole dynamics of our faith, what we believe in, our structure of uh, our belief system, because we have to believe in something. A lot of people want to believe in themselves, but, and that's fine and good. If, if you want to believe in yourself, go ahead. There's a such thing as being empowered. And that's, that's good for the natural part of us to be able to get up in the morning, to be able to, to move, to be able to have purpose. But also, let's think about it on a spiritual level. On a spiritual level, why not give up, get up and give a devotion and our worship and our daily bread to God? Thank God. Even if you don't believe in God, you have to believe that something, some entity, something greater than us is out there, you know, that has a desire to love us, that have a desire to have a relationship with us. We can't just automatically believe that we are on this earth to put in all the hours, to put in all the the the, the years of of working and doing things just for that time where it's time for us to lay our heads down that there's nothing left. We I mean we can't take we can't take the 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 spoils or the things that we have acquired on this earth with us. The Egyptians believed that there was an afterlife and they put everything in pots and pans and everything and they they sealed it up with uh, the pharaohs so that if they died, they would have that in the afterlife. But no one knows if that afterlife was truthful because they never came back after they died. So, uh, but what we do know as the Bible has uh, intimated so so graciously is that there is what's called eternal life with God. So in our in in our search for purpose, in our search for what we believe in, let's focus on on not being complacent with who we are as believers, not be complacent in our walk of trying to show and reveal to others that there is life after. Life after exists with God. And therefore, when we are content, our contentment should be, okay, I know that I believe that there's a God. I know that Jesus died for my sins. I know that the Holy Spirit speaks to me and through me when I need to help people. It had that he's a deserter and I listen to him. I, I'm, I'm connected and my commit contentment in him is knowing that I have solidified a relationship with Jesus Christ, solidified my relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And it's my job. It's my duty. It's my it's my passion, it's my gift of the, the fruit of the spirit to go out and tell others the good news that they don't have to die in their sins, that they don't have to be, you know, searching and looking for answers. They don't have to research all of the books and look through everywhere for what's the meaning of life. 
Well, the meaning of life is God. The meaning of life is, is our worship and our service to him. Our meaning in life is to compel others, you know, to talk about the goodness, talk about the peace, give our testimony of who God is in our lives and what changed in our lives and why are we content understanding and knowing that. That's the contentment that God wants. That's what he is only asking for. He's not mandating it. He's not doing any of those things. He wants to act his actions, his love actions in our lives to show how much he loves those that love him. Now, if you don't love God, you know, God still loves you, but it's not a love where you can relate to. He loves you because he created you and and his and his will that none should perish, but to come to repentance. So with all of that being said, I wanted to talk more about complacency versus contentment as the author uh, wrote in the book. But before that, I'm going to open with a, a short word of prayer before we go forward. Father, we thank you. We bless your name, God. We ask you, Lord, to Continue to give us uh, peace, give us strength to continue to move forward. We bless your name and we thank you and we love you. Lord, we ask that these words reach someone's heart and bless them and, and open up their understanding to feel and believe and know that they need you, God, in this world today. So many things are happening and we just know that it's not because it's just the world is because of all things work together. All things are happening, you know, in this earth to try to draw us closer to you. We know that there is all situations that come up in our lives and we believe and trust you, Father, that you, you can deliver us, you can save and you can protect us. We thank you and we bless your name. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Complacency and contentment are powerful actions that have been debated in many situations to quantify them as an emotional or a mental status for an individual. Additionally, throughout the Bible, scriptures in both the Old and the New Testament tells how both actions, regardless of their quantification, determines the fruits of the Spirit in each person who profess a love and commitment to the Christianity worldview and the belief in Christ. As believers in Christ, there should always be a balance in our walk with the Lord. Although our faith teaches us to pray and have faith, this does not provide us with an excuse to sit and find complacency in our walk with Christ. Many believers believe that once we receive Christ as our Savior and we faithfully attend church, we are fulfilling our obligation to Jesus Christ. And our work of salvation is being fulfilled with weekly service attendance, paying offering and tithes, or being a member of a church auxiliary. However, complacency is discouraged in the Bible and as a Christian. First, Jesus mandated that each believer 
reach out to others and proclaim to people who did not know or understand why Christ became a living sacrifice for the sins and rebellions of humanity. It was Christ's proclamation to his disciples to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, which is found in Mark 16, 15. This is meant to be a rally cry with an urgency and joy to share great news of redemption and healing to people who are lost or hurting in their circumstances. People are looking for answers in the 21st century with little help with finding a true solution. Many believers in Christ find themselves loving Jesus but not the church because of the surge of pagan or non-Christian practices seem to provide more answers relating to health, wellness, life, purpose, and contentment. In today's society, spiritual complacency is largely fueled by our propensity to rely on technology for instant access and personal gratification through instant messaging or direct messaging and group acceptance by using social apps that distract us from the true mission of our faith or the willingness to uphold the standards of holiness and godliness. I'm reminded of a scripture that seems to be fitting to put into perspective the opportunity that each believer has when we utilize social media. The scripture reads, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when we defame you as evildoers, when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. That's found in 1 Peter, 3rd chapter 15 and 16 verse. It is important that our conduct and our overall character gives glory to God and reveals evidence of love and a living example of Christ's teaching that resembles the Beatitudes of blessings and grace. Oftentimes, social media is used as a weapon that destroys the witness of the saints because of the overindulgences of prideful responses in the forms of likes. These are deceptive assurances because a person can actually like what you have posted. However, they may not like you or your profession of faith. Therefore, we are leaving ourselves open to a spiritual attack from negative forces that are assigned to attack your Christian walk. This sometimes happens when a person questions your walk with Christ or questions your hope, joy, and faith and belief in salvation. Peter tells us that we must first sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. What does that mean? for us? Well, it means that we are to consecrate our hearts and set our hearts or emotions 
and thoughts apart from the approvals and acceptances of the non-believer's opinion regarding our reasons to love Christ and accept him as our personal savior. Consequently, when we do this, there has to be evidence of change and renewing through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that show the Spirit of God working in all facets of our lives, especially on social media, where old friends or relatives monitor our page for discrepancies with our walk with Christ. If they are non-believers, they are working as agents of Satan, whom the Bible says seeks out people to devour our testimony of faith and salvation through Jesus Christ. Each believer in Christ must be aware that their test of faith and salvation is never ending and is always being revealed in our lives. It is not good for any of us to become complacent to understanding that our personal actions can hurt our testimony and cause others to stop believing that the saving grace of Jesus Christ can change us from the inside out. Many of us become complacent in our walk with the Lord because we have not fully internalized that God, what God has done for us. Waking up every day is, is a start for giving things. Having our health and ability to move and think for ourselves are other true reasons to offer our lives as living sacrifices. These recognitions are only relevant to the believer that believes God is creator of all things in the heavens and earth, that Jesus Christ is the son of God, the creator of all things in the heavens and the earth. And finally, that the Holy Spirit leads us, comforts us, and teaches us how to live a consecrated and sanctified life. However, complacency only opens us up to demonic attacks of temptations that call upon the hedonistic nature of man to ideologically seek gratification and prideful acknowledgments from peers and others. Every person has the privilege to own and carry some sort of mobile or portable device at all times. There are great advantages of having technology at the touch of your finger at all times. One major advantage is a, personal, a person's ability to call for help in the time of emergency and to reach a loved one almost instantaneously. Primarily mobile devices have presented a great case for necessity and value for all persons from all walks of life. Social media, and technology allow the end user access to all sorts of information that persuades its reader to believe that much of its information was once hidden or never before seen as new information and groundbreaking. However, 
Many of the subscribers and saints of social media cannot differentiate what is true or false. Many false teachers and propaganda outlets have used these tools to cast doubt on many of the established foundational beliefs that previously laid the foundation of faith, freedom, love, and family. Thinking naturally and believing in what's tangible has slowly eroded society's ability to have faith or to believe in a higher power. Naturalism has become a major philosophy with overarching tethers of influence that allow a person through social media to easily share false teaching and disproven theories to masses of people with just a treat of post, text, or DM. Also, fake news and staged videos seem to be the regular news of deception and destruction. You know, naturalism and naturalistic theories are the basis of pride that every false teaching or cultic religion has to gain its footing in the hearts and minds of people. You know, modern thinkers are people who use social media and videos or podcasts to send countless hours of teachings and philosophies to help the listener empower to believe that they are kings and queens, gods of their own destinies, and people and persons who does not need a higher accountability to their morals and ethics. There are four basic beliefs of modern thinkers that, and what they believe to be the new truth of what is hidden through his revelation. It supersedes Christianity and anything supernatural or spiritual. Naturalism is the idea or belief that only natural, as opposed to supernatural or spiritual laws and forces operate in the world. Adherence to naturalism, i.e. naturalists, assert that natural laws are the rules that govern and it's uh, the structure and behavior, behavior of the natural universe, that the changing universe at every stage is a product of these laws. This philosophy openly and willingly establishes complacency in the modern culture to believe that only what is naturally and physically explained should be taken as truth and real. The author Bush provides us with the four basic beliefs that fuel this thinking. Number one, mankind evolved from animals. The second one, the human mind and mind behavior are therefore directly influenced by our animal ancestry. The third one, all of reality is subject to naturalistic scientific investigation. And the last one, truth is discoverable of at least confirmable by 
and only by the naturalistic scientific method of research. Contrarily, if we examine the four points of the naturalist um, are what the naturalists are trying to convey, we can see where they are in complete agreement with eliminating any acknowledgement of divinity or the need for a savior. Thus, this allows for the influences of the Antichrist spirit to manipulate the hearts and minds of people so greatly until it will fool even Bible-believing Christians into thinking that we can incorporate naturalism and Christianity as one true holistic interfaith belief system. Complacency can be avoided in our Christian world through the incorporation of spiritual disciplines. Another author and scholar Whitney articulates that Spiritual disciplines are practices found in scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are the habits of devotion and spirit and experiential Christianity that have been practiced by the people of God since biblical times. Every Christian must find a way to grow in our faith and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and teach us how to live a holy life and a life that produces evidence of being spiritually, emotionally, and mentally changed by his indwelling. This has to be a paramount perception of who we want to be and how we want to live. This cannot be done within ourselves because there will be times of fallacies and doubt will allow the influences of negative thinking or evil notions to come into our minds and hearts to steer us away from providing a living example of love and hope to others. This is why it's an important this to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us how to decrease, decrease our natural emotions and mentality and surrender our hearts and minds to the Holy Spirit so that we can, so that he can reveal the truth and answers of salvation and deliverance to the people who are being drawn to the message. Finally, complacency quenches the functions of the Holy Spirit because he is not allowed to use the testimonies of the believers as evidence of God's grace by being justified of faith through grace if we no longer seek to have a personal relationship with God. Evidence of complacency in our lives look very similar to how the Athenians lived during Paul's day. They believed that their God was made of man's hands and was made of gold, silver, wood, or stone, just like today. Complacency should not be in the church because it compels believers to start worshiping things made of silver, such as money and wealth, gold, such as prosperity, 
and valuable things that are priceless. Wood, such as our jobs, houses, and property, and church structures, and also stone, which are likeness in the, the megastructures or the possessions of our pride and egos. Our desire to be liked as well as have friends and most of all, our willingness to usurp God's plan for our lives just to be popular, beautiful, or rich. Complacency can only be eliminated from a person's heart through the infilling of the Holy Spirit and a total surrender to being born again through a wholeheartedly commitment to walk and accept holiness by the transformation and renewal of our minds and hearts in Jesus Christ. Contentment is a point in our lives of a believer that means we are rested in the arms of God and the arms of God's love and his mercy and his grace. In Hebrews 13 and 5, it tells us, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So what is covenantness? The best way to put it in perspective of how covenantness is very harmful to give an example um, of what this is, is that a person is resting in the fact that God loves and provides for them to the point that they are not willing to do anything else but stay in that place, never growing or helping others but themselves, regardless of the cost. Never growing and helping others, regardless of the cost. Words that explain covenantness are, and according to the dictionary, you, they are inordinately or wrongly desirous of wealth or possessions, greedy, eagerly desirous, acquisitive, avid, eager, envious, gluttonous, grasping, green-eyed, itchy, jealous, keen, mercenary, Ravenous, selfish, yearning, closed-fisted, grabby, and piggish. Those are the bad definition in a dictionary of what covenant is. You know, born-again believers, according to Hebrew 13 and 5, outlines a really great blueprint of character list that reveals the heart of a person who has not fully embraced and surrender to walking in the co commitment of God's ability or the contentment of God's ability to supply all of our needs and give us peace that surpasses all of our understanding in Christ Jesus. First Timothy 4 and 7 tells us, discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. It is important, it is important to understand that our ultimate mark 
to press toward in Christ Jesus as a believer is godliness. This cannot be achieved unless you are born again and renewed in Christ Jesus through the infilling and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible was very succinct in telling us to stay connected with our source and help, which means our source and help that comes from God. He wants to be the source that provides and teaches us how to be blessed so that we can bless others. Jesus was a primary example of giving when he was faced with addressing the needs of 5,000 and then 7,000 people in the scriptures. Jesus was successful in feeding the people who were following him and learning about the kingdom of God. We cannot overlook this great example of love and giving, regardless of how it may have appeared on the surface. God through his son, because he is Jehovah Yaira, the Lord provides. Another story in the Bible talks about how Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding at Cana. John mentioned that as an affirmation to the future reader of Christ's divinity uh, over all things natural and spiritual, the Bible tells us that Jesus turned water into wine. This is the first documentation of his signs and wonders, and it revealed his glory. How awesome to know that a recorded miracle turning water into wine was recorded and witnessed by more than one person. Many of us still believe that our individual selves can provide for ourselves, and we do not need help from Jesus. The first of his signs in Canaan of Galilee was written to help un us understand that miracles, signs, and wonders doesn't happen when a person wishes it to happen. Signs and wonders are normally the result of God's plan to reveal that he is omnipotent. Mary, Jesus's mother, must have seen him performing miracles and signs and wonders prior to this time in order for her to go to him and, and to make the wine. Although Jesus did tell her that it wasn't his time yet to reveal his divinity to mankind, he acted in obedience to his mother. Jesus thought of the possibility of helping people to keep the wedding feast festive and, and joyous. He continued to turn the six previous used water pots filled with water that the visitors used after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. This water was used to wash the hands and feet of each visitor who entered from the street. As preparation of cleansing themselves, Jesus understood that this would truly be a remarkable allegorical 
opportunity for the servants to see how something that is meant to be dismissed and discarded and overlooked after it was used to become something excellent, wonderful, and pleasing to all. Telling them to combine the water meant that the servants would be able to see all the impurities that were in the water. The servant may have seen dirt particles and other things that are normally looked at as truly worthy of throwing away. But when Jesus saw the impurities, he was able to change the content of the impurities with the simple action. These actions are the same actions that the Lord takes with us when we are standing before him, depressed, angry, and dismissed. He wants us to see in this story that nothing is lost in the anointed one. Externally, it may appear that others that, that others that are feeling and faith can be discarded or our lifestyle and social status can put us in a lower position as others. However, Jesus wants us to know that he can change all circumstances to his will. Mary made a simple request. And Jesus answered the simplest request at the party. As he was there with his mother, when the host ran out of wine, immediately Mary, his mother, went to Jesus and made her request known. When the owner came to Mary, she told him that whatever he says to do, do it. Jesus turned water into wine, and the Bible tells us, that the miracle wine was considered the best for last. Contentment helps us to trust, and trust gives us strength to have faith when all natural indicators say that we should give up or everything is hopeless. However, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Contentment helps us to go on autopilot and trust that in all things, God is in all things. We can only be content in God when we are fully involved and committed to developing our spiritual disciplines. Again, Whitney points out that spiritual disciplines are activities, not attitudes. Disciplines are practices, not character qualities, graces, or fruit of the spirit that are found in Galatians 5, 23. Disciplines are things you do such as read, meditate, pray, fast, worship, serve, and learn. Therefore, although we are resting in God, we are not stagnant or unproductive in our relationship building with God. All things that grow has a relationship. Plants have a relationship with dirt. 
dirt has a relationship with water and water has a relationship with the sun. The sun has a relationship with man and man has a relationship with God. Christians must always know that God wants a relationship with each of us as individuals. God said that he knows the hairs on our heads and that's found in Luke 12 chapter six through the eighth verse. Also, God foreknew you before you were born. And he specifically told the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So it is important that we build a relationship with God because resting in him helps us grow and reveal the mightiness of God as a healer of sickness, a provider and a comforter in times of trouble. Isn't it awesome to know God? <laughs> However, we have to ask ourselves a life-changing question that requires total transparency and humility. And that question is, does the most high God know me? So that concludes this chapter. And I pray that my reading was uh, articulate enough to where you can understand the words in that chapter. But to keep things that I want you all to take from it is to trust God. Trust God when things are, are going bad. As believers, stand in the hope and the faith of knowing that he is with you. For non-believers that are trying to find a reason to believe in God, his reason is he knew us before we were conceived in our mother's womb. He loves us. He loves us so much that he died for our sins. And on this earth, we're going to counter situations and things that that we're not going to like and, and, and instances and circumstances that are going to come against us that we're going to need additional discernment, additional help, additional strength and encouragement. And why not try God? Why not try the word of God? Why not try some of the passages in the Bible to strengthen you and encourage you? There are so many passages in the word of God that can help you find what you're looking for, peace, understanding, uh, wealth, joy, contentment. Those are the things, salvation, more importantly. To be saved in today's society does not mean that that you're gonna be, you know, re rescued in a natural sense. Being saved in today's society means that we are being rescued from the spiritual and the mental and emotional uh, trauma and things that that we may or, or, or will encounter in our lives. When we know that that someone's there fighting a battle with us, someone's there giving us peace and consolation through our struggle. That's where the contentment lies because the Bible tells us, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and that you is God, that his rod and his staff comforts me. So that's where we are as believers. We believe that scriptures that uh, yea, though we walk through, through situations and times of trouble, yea, though we walk through times where we're unsure about what we're doing or what we're encountering, yea, though we walk through situations that have nearly killed us spiritually and emotionally, you know, we know that God is still with us. We have to trust and believe and hang on that the end is near, that there's light, that there's grace, that there's mercy, you know. And I always uh, like to, to, uh, to say that sometimes situations get so bad in our lives to where we believe that there is no hope. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is hope. Whatever you're going through, whatever you might be encountering in your life, there is hope. There is no need to feel that you're all alone. There's no need to feel as if that, that you have to handle or deal with abuse or, or things that, that are traumatizing you right now in your life. If you're worried about finances, if you're worried about sicknesses and illnesses, trust God. Try God, call out to him. And in those times that you're calling out to him, with your whole heart, with your whole mind, body, and strength, call out to him and ask God to give you peace, give you understanding, give you uh, a way out, help you. Those are the things that God would be more than willing, more than happy to reveal himself in your life so that you don't destroy or be destroyed. He loves you and he wants an opportunity to, to know you. He wants an opportunity to be connected to you spiritually and mentally and physically. Because when you're connected to God physically, the illnesses and the ailments that's going on in your body and the pain and suffering that you're going through, you know, you can make it just that little bit more more. Uh, easily because you know that you're not alone. You know that there's peace and comfort knowing that if you should leave this earth, that, that you're going to a place where God is there with you. And in, in your struggle and in your times on this earth that you are dealing with situations that's beyond your control, reach out to God through his word. Grab the Bible or grab an a, a inspirational book, a book that can strengthen your heart, strengthen your mind. But more importantly, think about God in every instance. Think about the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to save you, and to save you first spiritually, then mentally, then physically, because it has to work from the inside out so that when that peace comes, and that contentment in the Holy Spirit comes, then not a devil on earth can, can take it from you because you know that you know that you, you are anchored in the Spirit of God. And I thank you all and God bless you all. Now, again, I encourage you all to please feel free to reach out and, and grab the cover of the book. It shouldn't be in the church. Uh, the Saga Continuum It's a very great book. Or reach out and leave a comment on this page. 
um, YouTube page. We are on Facebook and um, Anchor. We have a podcast also. So we're utilizing the social medias that we talked about in this book in a positive way. We're using it to to bring the word of God, to bring the message of hope and salvation. You know, that's all that, that, that we should be doing as believers, utilizing the tools and the products of today to continue to go like the Great Commission says and preach the gospel into all the nations. And this is a great tool that we can utilize daily and hourly if we so choose to, to just proclaim Christ. Tell people your testimony, tell people the faith that rests in you and why you believe. So with that being said, God bless you. And I thank you all. And you all have a blessed night. God loves you all and God wants a relationship with you. Father, we thank you and we bless your name. We ask you, Lord, to con continue to strengthen us, continue to be our God as we be your people. We ask you, Lord, those that are hurting, those that are in a state of complacency, Lord, we ask you to reveal yourself in their lives so that they can come to know you, that you are Jehovah Yireh. You provide and you keep and you uh, protect us and you sustain us daily. We actually have Heavenly Father send your Holy Spirit to those hearts that are open and receptive to you and to bless those homes, bless those marriages, bless those that are in a hospital, heal their bodies and strengthen them. Show them that you are the great almighty God, the great God that can do all things. And Lord, more importantly, continue to strengthen us in our walk the saints, the believers, the believers that are in, in you, Heavenly Father, that we are strengthened and encouraged to continue to evangelize your word and to continue to outreach your word to those that may not know you personally. Give us the, the zeal, give us the fruit that we may be relevant in this time and in this day to reach the lost at any cost. We bless your name and we thank you. Your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So God bless you all and you all have a blessed night. We thank you.